Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Kate. I'm so grateful that you're here. Hope you'll forgive the way I sound. I'm a mess above my neck and I'm heavily medicated, um, but I think I can um, still do what I'm trying to do. Erin uh, is going to make an announcement about Wednesday dinners, and while she comes, I'll tell you that we have another concert with our own Don Chapke, back from playing with a world-renowned opera singer last week. Don will play this Saturday night at 7.30, um, and I'm told as of this morning there will be Beethoven, uh, Celtic music, and quantum physics in this concert. So you want to make sure that you come at 7.30 this Saturday in the sanctuary. It's uh, always an excellent time. Good morning. I want to share with you some plans we have for our Supper at Six, which as you all probably know is the first Wednesday of every month. So March 1st is our next one, which is just a week from this Wednesday, and that is Ash Wednesday. So as we celebrate that with a special service following the meal, the children also wanted to do something significant on Ash Wednesday. So they are going to serve your meal and they will take up tips, which we will donate to Greer Relief um, if, if, they, uh, if their service meets your expectations. <laughs> uh, the meal uh, will be southern fried chicken, mac and cheese, green beans, rolls, cornbread, and three different kinds of cake. So you really can't lose at this meal. Um, sweet faces to serve it and good food. Uh, it's $8 for adults and 6 for children. And if you'd like to reserve your spot, just mark on the roster as it comes through this morning um, that you'd like to attend and how many children and adults you have. Or we've been sending out a link in the weekly emails that you can use as well. And um, we do have our plans for the rest of the spring. Um, that'll take us to summer. Um, April 5th, we will be doing an Easter egg hunt and making resurrection eggs. If you don't know what those are, they're for families with children and they tell the story of Easter, each egg um, having a special significance. And um, we would like volunteers to help us put those eggs together. We'll need 12 uh, to fill the dozen carton. Um, and it will be a way that children can both experience the fun of the Easter egg hunt and the significance of the Easter story and what we're trying to do, uh, what we're trying to teach. Uh, May 3rd is uh, another Wednesday. Uh, we will do our VBS training, Vacation Bible School, and you'll hear a lot more about Vacation Bible School and your opportunities to be a part of that exciting mission next week. But the training will be on May 3rd, uh, Wednesday night, after we have some chicken or lasagna, spaghetti or mac and cheese, different, different um, food options that night for the meal. So thank you, and I hope you will mark your calendar for the next three first Wednesdays and join us. Thank you, Aaron. The children and adults will meet tonight, but youth do not meet tonight uh, based on our trip last night. Um, and finance and administrative council meeting will be uh, tomorrow night at 6 and 7 p.m. in the CAMAC class, which is straight back that way through the choir room. Uh, make sure that you attend that if you're on either of those committees. We have many other announcements and news and notes in the bulletin and also in our um, newsletter at the first of the month. Make sure that you grab all those and read it so that you understand all the things uh, that we're attempting to do here. Let's begin by standing as you're able for hymn number 160.
Let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead, He ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence she shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. First scripture lesson is Psalm 119, verses 33 through 40. It's on page or pages 958 to 959 in your pew Bible. Teach me, O Lord, to follow your decrees, then I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding, and I will keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart towards your statutes, and not towards selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Fulfill your promise to your servant, so that you may be feared. Take away the disgrace I dread, for your laws are good. How I long for your precepts. Preserve my life in your righteousness. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your constant presence amongst us. Whether we are having an easy, sunny day or a truly difficult, painful day. Whether we are welcoming new life or mourning the loss of life. Whether we are building or whether we are tearing down, we are grateful for your presence amongst us. And as we read your text today from 1 Corinthians of Paul encouraging his people, help us, Lord, to consider what foundation we are building upon with everything we are doing both individually and corporately. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time for our tithes and other offerings. And if you would like to give online, you'll see how to do that with instructions in the bulletin.
I'm going to switch microphones. I feel like this one's misbehaving. Can y'all hear me? Okay. Y'all remember the story of the three little pigs? What were the three elements that were used to build? Straw, sticks, bricks. Materials matter and never let up until the job is done. Those are two primary, if not the only points of the three little pigs. Many people in our congregation whose careers are based in construction do this sort of thing all the time, use materials all the time in buildings that surround us everywhere. And before we ever walk into a class, into a restaurant for lunch, into a hardware store to look for a hammer or some sort of something, <laughs> whatever's in a hardware store, these people have put the work in to make sure that that building is safe, to make sure that building is functional, to make sure it's comfortable. And there's the day of the groundbreaking, there's a day when you walk in the building, you cut the ribbon, and then there's five years later when some true test comes along for that building and all the hard work of people like the people in our congregation have put in to make sure that it survives. And testing those measures of building a structure is our topic for the sermon today. You can turn to 1 Corinthians 3, starting with verse 10. And it's found on page 1774 in your Pew Bible, or within a couple of pages of that. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ, the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I've done this uh, lesson with the Boy Scouts as we had a five or six week lesson about the Bible uh, with the boys in the Rock House. And I had them point out all the things that they liked and noticed about the Rock House to me. It's windows, it's chimney, it's totally different uh, materials used to build uh, the porch that wraps all the way around. And I said, how many of y'all uh, love the foundation? And the, <laughs> what is that? And of course, I've heard, you've heard scripture passages, you've probably heard sermons about foundations and how we hardly ever notice them. But they're so critically important to the structure of the building and the longevity of the building. Paul is talking about that foundation and the fact that it's Jesus Christ. And I want you to forgive me as I go back and forth in the sermon. Paul did it as well in the text between actual building of structures and the building of our faith. As you're talking about the building of our faith, this scripture sounds familiar. And it's because he's taken it from uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. When chapter 7, Jesus said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Now we sing a song very similar to this with our preschool kids, the CEP kids, every week. Of the wise man built his house upon the rock. And the foolish man built his house upon the sand. We sing that each time and I don't know how much it sinks in with them. But when they hear that text, they ought to remember it. 
for the rest of their lives based on our singing it in worship. Chapter 7 is wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking about giving. He's talking about prayer. He's talking about fasting. He's talking about love. And as his first major address to an enormous crowd, Jesus sets the tone with all these topics, almost goes topic by topic, making sure that they understand. And he says, whatever I do from this point forward is built on that foundation. And if y'all want to succeed, it better be built on that as well. So flash forward to our text in 1 Corinthians. Paul is writing to the church that he's created, that he's now left, that he's hoping is continuing in that theme. And he says, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. Leaders following him. And Paul tells the people that he attempted to live and teach that, and if they're ever going to build anything in their personal faith or in their community of faith, it better be built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, period. And you know, ministers and church leaders can get sideways of that. They could say it better be pretty, it better be shiny, it better be fast, it better be popular, it better draw people. And we can get away, the ones who are supposed to be the closest to it, sometimes try to have the shiny thing, the bright thing, rather than make sure that that foundation is set. So it's always good for uh, not only you, but for me to hear this. Verse 12 says, If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. So unlike the pigs, multiple materials will work. In that story, only one of the three materials held up, and only one of the three materials was said to be okay. In this text, Paul says, you can build with any of these things, which I think is significant because he's speaking to a crowd that is quite wealthy and quite poor and not many people in between. And so they might think to themselves, if I'm going to build anything, if it's not with gold, then God won't respect it and God won't be present and it won't matter like it should. Look at all those materials. Gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw. I've been around a lot of people who were building their own home, and it's both a joy and a nightmare, is it not? Because the contractor gives you limitless options, and your little company of two, if not more, has to decide, well, wait now, do we want this material or do we want this material? Of course, if you choose this material, it has an impact on this material, and if you have this material, you can't have that because that is all there, and, and you get about a third of the way through it, and you go, hmm. You know, I really wish those counters could, could be different. Of course, that unravels everything, right? But he's saying it doesn't matter what materials you're using. It doesn't matter how powerful you are. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are. It doesn't matter what type of structure you're building. It better have one foundation. Like the pigs, a test is coming, he says. 
What was the test with the pigs? Wolf. The test in the text is a fire. He says a fire is coming and a light. He says a light will be shined on it and a fire could consume it. So let's talk about those two different images. You ever think you're doing a pretty good job with a project? You ever have a boss come to look at that project and you think, well, wait now, do I have everything right? Right? I like to think that if the district superintendent walked in the door, that I would be the exact same as I am right now. If the bishop walked in the door, I'd be the exact same as I am right now. But, uh, or my mom. <laughs> if my mom walked in. Excuse me. I might stand up a little bit straighter. Um, when someone is reviewing it a little more than anyone else reviews it, you might be a little more concerned. And Paul is telling the people, the work that you're putting in to building your faith, one day will have a light shine upon it. And you'll know for a fact, and the people in your faith community will know for a fact, and the light will be shined on your faith community as well, and you'll all know for a fact whether this thing you're doing is manufactured or whether it's real. The second thing is a fire. I would categorize this as any unexpected, potentially horrific adversity. I'm sure throughout the years, those of you who have been here so long have had many points of adversity, whether they be to the physical plant, whether they be to the community, whether it be to your family, whether it be some sort of major decision that puts everyone under tremendous stress. He says, your faith community will be tested with unexpected adversity. But this is what's encouraging in verse 14. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. So let's talk about that fire. I would bet that many of you are, have been accustomed to growing up in faith communities where they talked about hell a great deal. Perhaps every Sunday, perhaps quite frequently. Some simply through mentioning it, others through violent imagery. And the pathway is denying the call to Jesus Christ. This is what these communities talk about on a fairly consistent basis. It's because there's a real significance to them about that particular image. And it's quite simple. Listen to Jesus Christ and accept his teaching. And should you not, that will be the outcome. And they talk about flames a great deal. This, of course, is why that style of worship is so insistent upon converting whether it be in the midst of that service, whether it be in worship, whether it be in Sunday school, whether it be in camps and retreats, their sole mission, I should say their primary mission, is to convert your soul, your heart, for Jesus Christ. To help you avoid that fire. So I think with that in mind, when you hear fire or you read fire in the text, you might think that is what the topic is. But I don't think it is in this text. He's not talking about the individual. He's talking about the creation of that individual. The structure of their faith that they've built both individually and corporately. 
And he says, there will be a test of that faith. Now, um, I mentioned, I think it was two weeks ago, about Advent. Many of you saw, if you haven't seen it, that Advent had a tragic fire in their sanctuary. Now, I think this text could be any number of things, but that is an actual literal fire in a congregation. And that day, I can't believe when I mentioned it, and I was talking about the hopeful nature of the fact that they had the fire was due to expansion of their church. They needed to expand their church because their community of faith was growing. It was very positive. They have um, uh, great leadership in every way. And that I think this is simply a temporary setback, though quite painful for them. I can't believe I forgot to mention that Susan, out of this congregation, who grew up in this congregation, led that congregation into that sanctuary and worshiped there many, many times with funerals and weddings and worship. So I don't know if you're friends with any of them on Facebook. But this text is lived out by their posts on Facebook. I haven't read one of them where they said, okay, well, um, you know, we had this positive thing going and we had this fire. And so that obviously means God thinks what we're doing is dumb or God is judging us or we don't have any future opportunities and I'm just going to go down the street. You see any, anything like that on Facebook? Did you see any of them say, I worship in the sanctuary and that's it, period. If we don't worship in the sanctuary, I don't worship. See, many of those people started in a, uh, um, not, I don't know if it's a country club, but a pool clubhouse. They weren't anything close to a campus or a sanctuary. And so they went from that to a, another building. They went from that to a building that's now their children's music. They went from that into the sanctuary. And now they were expanding their sanctuary. And in the midst of tremendous plans, faithful prayer, thoughtful consideration to what they would need not only now but decades from now, fire ripped through their building and halted them entirely. And this is what their people said on Facebook. My faith is based in our congregation. There was a fire at our address. But there's not a fire of our church. It's not destroyed our church. We together will build this again. We'll worship where we worship. We will worship our God. And we'll find a way to make this into a special place. Now, to me, that's the perfect example of this text showing us that when we have great plans, when we have um, great faith, when we have great prayer, there still might think there'll be things that come along that derail us and discourage us, make us sad, sometimes make us angry. But Paul says, if it's built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, your building, your structure, your faith, your foundation will hold it says that fire will either be deterred by your work or it will either consume your work. So I want you to think about, I spend a lot of time on our corporate building of faith. I want you to think about your individual building of faith. What would it take for you to have a faith that can withstand extreme adversity? What can you do in worship? What can you do in your Sunday school? What can you do in your small groups on Sunday nights or on Tuesday mornings or on Thursday afternoons 
to continue to build not only your individual personal faith in Jesus Christ, but to support one another in our corporate faith in Jesus Christ. I can tell you that that is our main focus. And Paul's words ring uh, uh, so relevant to us in this congregation that we need solely to focus on the love of God, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and our opportunity to build on both for the future of our church. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand as you're able for our um, final hymn, number 98.